Welcome to What Stories Say with Seth and Seth. I'm Seth. I'm also Seth. I am also Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So today we're going to talk about uh, the story of Mulan, and we'll mm. go through the go through our regular routine. So. Jessica, do you want to start for us and tell us a little bit about the... Sure. So Mulan is um, one of people's favorite, I think, of the Disney Renaissance movies. Boy, a lot of people really love Mulan. And we've got interesting source material here for, um, to, for a Disney princess story. So mm-hmm. if we want to talk about the three classic princesses, the three original ones, Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. Those were both traditional European fairy tales, the kind of fairy tales that exist in quite a few different variations across a wide variety of cultures, but have come down to us primarily from a Western European version. Mm -hmm. And then we've had these um, Renaissance fairy tales. We've had The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and Pocahontas and they kind of had a different feeling in their source material we had some literary fairy tales we had um, a historical legend and then we had this Middle Eastern um, the Arabian Nights which comes to us through French translation and reinvention so mm-hmm. it's kind of a literary fairy tale though. it does have kind of a literary fairy tale feeling also it's kind of what it yeah Okay, and now we've come back to really traditional tale, but instead of coming from Western European culture, we're going to China. And the source material for the story of Mulan, which is both a legend and a folk tale, with the distinction Mm -hmm. being that legends are based on or inspired by real-life historical events. Right. um, Comes through a ballad from medieval China. I didn't actually look up the date and on the ballad. Did you, Seth? I didn't. Okay. Sometime in medieval China, you know, okay. way back go. when. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so we're coming back to source material that has a really long, rich cultural history, but it's not necessarily the cultural history of the majority of the original viewers of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that is a really interesting, different thing here. And um, it doesn't completely reinvent the source material as much as something like Aladdin or Pocahontas does either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The source material is simple. Like I said, it's a ballad. Yeah. um, But it works mostly within that tradition rather than subverting it. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that that's one of the reasons that this story and this movie version of this story was so popular and successful. I think when you take um, material that has this this huge long-standing resonance over time, over a wide um, geographical area, you're more likely to have material that really um, has a lot to say to the viewer things that it says beyond the superficial level of the screenplay. So is this this the first one 
where she is neither a princess nor her romantic interest is a prince. Yeah, it's interesting that Mulan gets into the Disney princess lineup because yeah. a lot of times people say, well, she isn't royalty, she doesn't marry royalty. What makes her a princess? But it, it does line up with the the tradition of being she, uh, folklore or, and, or legends. And she wears a dress and has an animal sidekick. Yeah, okay, well, well that's... Are, those were justifications made up later, and the other justification, which I think... Oh, well, I, I was just quoting Mo, uh, the, uh, Maui from Moana. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean when I was <laughs> I, it, it, that, that line is in Moana specifically as a justification, I think, for this movie. In a way, yeah. Um, I think the explanation that Disney Company made was something about deeds of extreme heroism could make you a princess... But I think Seth's really onto something when really the princess is a feeling that's based on the source material. And in this case, folktale source material is a princess tale. The same way mm -hmm. that we call stories fairy tales, whether they have fairies or not. Yeah, many of these stories haven't actually involved any fairies. So, so what, is there anything else that we need to, we need to discuss about the... Uh, about the the background and, and the story itself. Not really, except for the fact that since this in this podcast series we're mm -hmm. talking about the relationships. Um, with Pocahontas, we had a relationship that the couple didn't end up together. Mm -hmm. In this movie, we have a story where the couple. Um, ends up at the very beginning. We, they aren't really actually together at all. Yeah. At the end Th the this movie. is not a romance film, which is actually another aspect that I think is different from pretty much all of the other uh, movies in the Disney Princess lineup that we've talked about up to this point. Even Pocahontas, ha even though it has a tragic ending, focuses on the romance with the characters, whereas this movie is mostly about Mulan. Yes. And if we say we're going to talk about the success or, or future success of her relationship, we should probably have it as a caveat that she does not actually have a relationship at the end of the movie. We are we're projecting her, forward yeah. to a, a potential future relationship. And the, and the interaction that she does have with the man is more with the other guys in her in her troop than with than with the main hero guy who who's the leader. But she's not actually interacting with him a whole lot anyways. She's mostly interacting with the other guys and you have the song about about what they want in a wife and he's well, not a part of those montages I mean, of of what of, of her character development. He isn't, but the, there's also like he's definitely present in all of those scenes just in a different way because he's not one of the ones training, he's the one doing the training. He's he's the uh superior officer in their military and organization. And he has his own and subplot within the story, so he's true. not a subsidiary character just because he's not part of her friend group. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying when we're talking about romance, there's no romance there. She's, she's not in any kind of a romantic relationship with him anywhere in the movie until the very end when he comes, mm -hmm. when he comes for 
for dinner. Yes, but it would be disingenuous, I think, to imply that there is no romance in this movie. Uh, even though it isn't a love story, a primarily romance-focused movie, the romance that's within the movie is the romance of longing and of desire, even though it's not an actual relationship within the movie. The subplot, or the, the plot between Mulan and Shang is a romantic plot. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, uh, I don't see a whole lot of longing and desire between them. It's uh, the whole thing, but it is by the by the end of the the film there is implication there, but it's not it's not heavily focused on for most of the story. Yes. So when we're bringing up here in the beginning section, things that are different about this movie, we just want to realize that the way that it's approaching romance is different and is maybe foreshadowing some of the movies that are going to be coming forward in the Disney animated movie lineup, not Mm -hmm. specifically princess movies right away, but there's going to be more of a focus, less on romantic stories and more on stories of friendship and family and other types of relationships. Okay. Well, are we uh, ready to get into discussing a little bit about Mulan as a character? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think we've been kind of focusing on um, a lot of a lot of what we've been focusing on is the character's resilience in the face of you know really difficult trials and and, mm-hmm. and, and potential traumatic events. Yeah. So, what do you think about Mulan and her her resiliency and and what are the events that she has to face and how does she how does she handle them? Well, I mean, I think with Mulan's character, it's actually really interesting here because um, based on her culture and her cultural values, the way that she reacts to some of the difficult, potentially traumatic situations in the film would be perceived as negative. Uh, She's uh, running away to go join the military in her father's place uh, and impersonate uh, a man and take on a role that she's not supposed to have, um, which is obviously a big part of the theme of the story. To them, that's not a good response. But from our perspective, it is a great response, uh, or at least it is... It ends up working out really well for her. Um, so I think I think it's interesting there that exactly how we perceive whether or not her her response to like the initial situation of the story uh, comes down a lot to cultural background and what we would expect from her as a character and as a person. Um, I do think that later in the movie, there's there's pretty strong implication of her being very resilient when she is actually training and she's struggling to keep up. She's as as a woman, she's a little bit less uh, physically capable than than some of the men in her troop. And uh, Shang tells her in the the 
training song, I'll Make a Man Out of You, tells her that she has no chance and she should just go home. And she reacts to that by trying harder. Uh, and that's the moment that she turns things around and not only proves to him that she can do it, but also inspires all of the other men in her unit to try harder themselves and to actually become really great soldiers. Yeah, and she doesn't only try harder, she also tries smarter. So yeah. the moment in that song where she's being told to give up and she's walking away, one of the things that they have to do to that they're supposed to prove is he's Shang has shot an arrow to the top of this high pole and they're supposed to be able to climb the pole with weights on their wrists mm -hmm. to get the arrow down and nobody's been able to do it yet and as she's she's leaving it doesn't seem like the implication is that she's leaving because she hasn't been able to do that because it no. doesn't seem like nobody else has done it no it's because she's either. she hasn't had the physical capabilities to do the other things that's that right so doing. she just isn't really keeping up with the level of training and she looks mm -hmm. up at that arrow at the top of the pole and she um goes back and she wraps her weights around in a way that she can use the weight to help her climb rather mm -hmm. than the weight pulling her down. And I yeah. think not only is that being smarter, it's very symbolic, right? Where, where you have something that's being a burden on you, it's dragging you down, it's a heavy weight, and she's able to flip that into being something that benefits her mm -hmm. instead of burdens her. And that might be a certain kind of definition of resilience or grit. The ability to take the heavy weighty things and to make give make that give you traction in your life or the ability to use the hard things as tools rather than as setbacks mm -hmm. so so I think there's there's two other the well there's two really traumatic event moments really okay one is when she's uh, swimming in the in, in the in the lake, <laughs> and then all the naked guys run by, and she's. Do you okay. really think that's a really traumatic <laughs> event? I'm just. I'm just, okay. I'm just you said that so. No, 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 no. And you were fooling me. That's that is Mushu's traumatic event. That's right. That's actually. <laughs> Anyways, that's I was right. just teasing about that one. No, but I actually think her first traumatic, truly traumatic event, which I actually think is more traumatic than any of the things in the in the military camp, is. When she's in the very beginning, she's trying to make her family proud by being feminine and being this, you know, what you're supposed to be, and then totally messes it up. Well, so she fails at the, the matchmaking, um, the matchmaking test, essentially. They, she goes to the matchmaker to go and make an impression, and partially by her own uh, clumsiness and... Uh, lack of some of the the specific kind of skills that are required for that and partially by things outside of her control ends up making a big mess of it a lot of it is bad luck i actually yeah. think i actually think for her it, because I, I was thinking about this a lot um a lot of the things that she's being asked to do she's already doing at home for her family where she's comfortable She's able to do these mm -hmm. things. It's when she's having to do it as a performance. She's got a mm -hmm. lot of performance anxiety. Okay, that's actually a really good point, because we see very early in the movie her 
doing chores around the house and stuff like that. And I believe one of the things that she does is uh, bring tea to her father. She brings the tea and pours the tea, and she's very capable. But when she's having to do it as a performance, she has performance anxiety, and she's unable to do the things in front of this matchmaker that she's very capable of doing in her own home. I think there is an implication beyond... I'm not disagreeing with you about performance anxiety. I think that's a really good insight. Yeah. I think also that there is an implication that she doesn't meet the stereotype requirements for femininity within her society. Mm-hmm. There's a, a not like other girls element to the story. Which In a is, way. I mean, that's a negative trope connotation, this idea of being not like other girls. But where usually that term is used in a way where a girl is acting, the female character is desirable because she because she's not like other girls and mm-hmm. the reason the trope is negative is because it's casting aspersions on traditional femininity mm-hmm. and i don't really feel like mulan is doing that i don't think that mulan's difficulty with fitting into her cultural norms make it seem like being a traditional female in her society is a negative thing mm-hmm. but she is the kind of character that is struggling to meet societal expectations and even if if a lot of it within the movie is performance anxiety she does have this feeling of there are expectations that society has for the way i'm supposed to be that are beyond my ability to reach well and i think it's relevant both to the the themes of the story and to her psychology as a character that um Mulan is trying to meet those goals. She's not, like, actively resisting her culture's sense of traditional femininity. She's not a rebellious character. She wants to be able to be this traditionally feminine woman so that she can make her family proud and just struggles with feeling uh, uncomfortable and out of place in those particular... Uh, expectations, I think that there's a good chance that some of her performance anxiety, especially in that particular scene, comes from the fact that she's underconfident in her own ability to meet the cultural expectation that she's trying to live up to in this matchmaking interview. Right. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that a lot of the, like I said, I think the tasks that she's being asked to perform. We already saw that she's very capable, but it's the way that the matchmaker is wanting the tasks performed, like you say, that she, that she doesn't meet those standards. That, you know, and being all dressed up and with the makeup and all that, that she's not comfortable mm-hmm. in that, in that uh, you know, pageantry kind of stuff. And, 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 and therefore doesn't fit that the... the typical model for a a, a girl in that society. And one of the reasons I think this movie is a favorite for so many people is that it's an almost universal human experience to feel like you fall short of social and cultural expectations. Mm -hmm. That your, your society, your culture has an ideal set up for you 
that whether it's a gendered ideal or whether it's some other aspect of your life, and we, all of us, feel like we're falling short mm -hmm. of this mental picture yeah. that's been created by our context of who we should be. There's always going to be something. So I, I think I think one of the things about this story that's really interesting is she fails in presenting herself in, on on the on the female side of society, and then she proceeds to fail in presenting herself in the male side of society, and then she decides as she as he's sending her home, saying you 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 I, I can't make a man out of you just you, you're gonna have to go home. That's when she 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 decides oh no I'm not gonna fail again, and and she's able to use her weights to climb and get and get the arrow down and she realizes i think in that moment that there's other ways than the specific ways that that people are expecting you to be successful there's other ways of being successful and yeah and it's less about her gender whether male or female yeah whether no. whether masculine or feminine but it is about but it, about societal expectations and can I meet those expectations? Yes. And she realizes I don't have to meet them the way that I that 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 I think society is expecting of me, but I can do it another way, and society will still accept me. And she comes to a learning and understanding with these men that she can still be accepted by these men, even though she's not as strong, she's not as fast. She can still. Be accepted because she can do do things in a way that is still acceptable, even though it's not exactly the way that that they would anticipate it being done. She, I think, also is partly as resilient as she is because she has a loving family who supports her, That's and true. they don't uh, belittle her because of the mistakes that she made. She mm -hmm. comes home and they accept her, and so I think yes. And so after the disaster with the matchmaker. Oh, the scene that we see instead of anybody in her family expressing displeasure or disappointment or discouragement about what happened. And, and it's got to be discouraging to the whole mm -hmm. family. Her father comes and sits beside her and he talks to her about blossoms and how they bloom at different times. And mm -hmm. he's, so he's, he's giving her wisdom about, um, and hope and hope and saying, you know, it's okay that you weren't ready for this thing now. It doesn't mean you won't be ready forever. Don't take it too hard, you know. Be patient. <laughs> right. Wait for wait. And, right, and so she's Oh yeah, I was just going to say her father does eventually have a moment in the movie where he does uh get a little bit angry with with her, but it's not a moment that's about her. It's about him and her wanting to protect him from having to go and join the army when he's he himself is uh old and seems to possibly have sustained some kind of a, a, a wound oh, yeah. in his previous service yeah, and he's really not physically capable of doing it at all but he feels like he needs to out of duty to his country so so I, I also think we have to think of this because of the society that it comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a very individualistic society in the West. The East is not nearly so much so. It's a more collective society. And, and so 
when we think about her and her resilience, you have to think about the family unit because that's much, much more what they are. And I, but I think the whole family unit is very resilient. They're able to, they're able to withstand these difficult things. And even when she goes off, even when she goes off uh, in her father's place, and her and her mother's like, hey, we need to we need to go get her. And he says, we can't, you know, because if she gets discovered, they'll kill her. Um, you, you know those moments they're 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 very resilient the family is resilient so maybe we should talk a little about shang then yes that's what mm. i was just gonna say yes shang what do we know about shang well we know that his father was an important military leader and that he's following in his father's footsteps mm-hmm. there's some implication that he's got his post as a leader really young because of family connections and that he feels a lot of pressure to live up to expectations. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a mirror thing to the Mulan story where they both are feeling pressure from social expectations that they are worried that they won't be able to meet. Yeah. Yeah, so so how does how does he how does he do in the face of that pressure? Well, he we don't see his family at all during the movie. His he at one point we learn that his father has died. We do see his father at the very beginning. Oh, he, he, yeah, yes, there's the general of the army that goes and gets defeated by the by the Mongols and his dad. He dies in the battle mm-hmm. that they're going to. That's his dad. So he isn't in the movie for very long, but he we do get a brief scene when Mulan first shows up at the army camp where his father is leaving to go and lead a different like the the, the main front line of the army yeah. and is uh giving him some parting words essentially yeah. uh and establishing that expectation well, that he's going to train these men they appear, and join him they appear to have a really good relationship the, the little bit that we mm-hmm. see and the father has a lot of trust in his son and, and, and I think he's, you know, yeah, giving him some counsel and advice as he's leaving and leaving him in charge. And it's the counselor guy who's upset that his, that the son, that Shane mm. is being left in charge because he doesn't think that he has enough experience. But the father uh, clearly thinks his son is, is capable. Yes. Mm-hmm. But what we see in the majority of the movie, then, um, Shane's interactions are with this advisor to the emperor who's been set left there to report mm-hmm. on his actions and who is hypercritical of him. And he's so. constantly taking notes, which has got to be really, really, uh, like really put on that, that pressure of, uh, I have to do my best to make it so that this report makes it back to the emperor, at least somewhat positive. Yeah. And so we see him under, not not interacting with friends, where um, Mulan, we didn't really mention, besides having a strong family, also has a really gr- good group of friends through the movie. I mean, you did mention that, but... Oh, in, yeah, absolutely. Not in when we were talking about right. how it contributes to her resilience. Um, Shang, during the course of the plot, is not really interacting with any family members, even though he might have supportive family members. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have friends. 
his main interactions are with somebody who is hypercritical of him. Right. And I feel like he is tenser during the course oh, yeah. of the movie. He's more likely to make mistakes or kind of snap, um, do things that um, he might regret afterwards. I do think he's dealing with a lot of anxiety. What, what example of, of do you have of that, like like the tenseness, the making mistakes, and the... Um... Well, I guess the primary one that I'm thinking of is is um, l- abandoning Mulan when af- when he finds out that she's a woman, and that doesn't seem like it would be connected to his pressure, but I, f- I feel like I feel like that is a mark of how um, how how tense and under pressure he's feeling. Mm-hmm. That's the first one that Mark because because when I when I watch it, I mean I I've served in the military for for ten years, and when I see Shang, it just seems like a drill sergeant to me. He doesn't seem like he's un, I mean he seems like yeah. he's under under pressure. Yes, and there's intense pressure on him. Um, well, I I don't see him doing anything. In fact, I see him being a, like a really nice sergeant. <laughs> I'm watching him. I'm like, holy cow! If that was a guy training me, that, that's uh, so. So I, I I guess coming from a military perspective, I I really I I get my thought was, I think he's uh, as resilient as Mulan. I think he's tremendously resilient to be in the pressure of having this number one being left in charge when he's he doesn't necessarily feel quite ready for it himself and then like you say having this hypercritical guy around him taking notes and looking at everything that he's doing seemed to me like wow this guy's kind of uh well got it together um, i guess i wasn't trying to say that he isn't doing well at his job and in his position. I guess what I meant to say is that his position is an especially stressful position and mm-hmm. the character right. comes across to me anyway as being stressed out for a lot of but, Yeah, movies. like he's dealing with his situation well, he's just in a difficult situation. He's less relaxed, mm-hmm. he's less calm, he's less happy than she is. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, yes. And, and I think, I, I actually think that goes back to, again, the fact that she has, so she's, in the beginning, she's got her family, so even when she's messing up, she's able, she's able to come back to her family in, in the camp. In the beginning of the camp, she's actually miserable. Oh, yeah, super stressed. Totally miserable. Very anxious. It's, it's not until she's able to get the arrow down and she gains the respect of her fer- fellow soldiers that she's that she kind of creates that that cohesive unit, and once she's got that cohesive unit supporting her again, then she's able to come out of that and able to to be like she is at home. Yes, I yeah. I totally agree. Um, That's all me, I was trying to he say. He doesn't he doesn't have that because within a military setting, if you're the commander, there is no um, group. That you can belong to, yes. Because There's strict hierarchy. Because there, there would be a very strict hierarchy. You would not be allowed to mingle with just the average people, you know, outside of the training. And so he's kind of by himself. So he doesn't have that that support of a group of people. And then on top of that, we don't know for sure if he 
uh, has a mother, what his relationship with her might be. But in terms of his relationship with his father, he does have to deal with, in the course of the film, uh, discovering that he's been killed in battle and doesn't really get a chance to deal with that emotionally because he immediately has to go from there to, okay, let's fight the, the Huns. Army. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And so, and so then, then of course you get the scene where he does leave her behind, um, which that's a really hard scene because you've got, you've got the law, which would say like the, like the, the advisor saying you have to kill her. He is being comparatively and, merciful. And he says, we're not going to kill her. Um, and, he, and he leaves her behind. Yes. But, so that's, 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 a, but, that's a hard... But that's she's a, been wounded and he's leaving her behind in a snowy mountain. So even though he's not ordering her to be killed, he is leaving her in a position where she would likely die, except that she has a magical dragon friend. I think... The magical dragon friend that saves her? No. Um, I mean, sort of. He helps... I mean, yeah. I think she doesn't she's, really she's end up needing to be saved, per se, but... The main character. Did he leave her... Ho he left her horse with her, though, too. So she did mm -hmm. have a horse. That's true. So, I don't think he's leaving her behind intending to let her die. No. And he is he... being merciful based on the, the laws and the expectations of his culture. Uh, but... He still could have done more. What does this part of the story have to... What is its significance on the I, relationship I issues? I think the significance of this part to me, uh, and this is just to me, obviously, is that he, he has certain traditional beliefs, and, and whether those are religious beliefs or, or just strong traditional beliefs, he has those beliefs. And he did the best that he could in the circumstance that he was in. And I don't think he could have done any better. I think he actually did the very best he could have done. And I think that shows, again, I think it shows his ability to make tough decisions in bad situations. I think he left her knowing that she left her with a horse, left her bandaged. They'd done the medical stuff that they, that they could do for her to keep her from dying he left her with a horse. He left her in a way that he knew she was going to be safe. She could get out. And, but then, so, so I, I, I think it was, and I think for her, for her, that's good. Because she knows this is a man who has, who has strong feelings about, about our culture, about our society, about our, and, and I think she understand, I think she would understand that in the end. In the moment, of course, she probably felt betrayed just like he did as he walks away from her. But I think in the end, when she thinks that through, I think that's going to be good for the relationship because there is a religious or, or, or close to religious context here. And he's sticking within that as much to that religious context as he can. And I think that's meaningful. It Probably is, but I also feel like when it comes to any situation that is going to be, um, if we're, we're taking this from the perspective of this is going to result in a romantic relationship in the future, that 
even if it isn't particularly relevant to other specific aspects of their life, that both of them are feeling somewhat betrayed in this moment. And that sense of betrayal, even if there are other contexts that they have to help overcome it, still are likely to uh, give them a little bit of difficulty developing trust later on. And I mean, we see that in the movie later where uh, when they're in the, uh, like, at the palace celebrating and Mulan goes to try to warn uh, Li Shang that uh, the not all of the Huns were actually killed and that they're uh, going to come and try to attack the emperor, he refuses to listen to her. He turns her away immediately because he's lost some of that trust that he had in her originally. Yes, I and I agree, I agree with that point, that there is going to be some difficulty in uh, rebuilding the trust. I kind of wonder if some of his turning away from her, I do think a lot of it is is the betrayal. I, I kind of have to wonder if some of it is also that if if he reveals her there, he can't walk away from her. He, she, she will have to die. Because now she's in the presence of everybody. It's no longer, he's no longer the one in charge. Now the emperor is the one in charge. So I just wonder if there's some, both, I think you're right, mm -hmm. and I agree with you that, that the trust issue will come up and it will have to be dealt with, uh, but I do think, I do wonder. Hi everyone, this is Seth Jr. Uh, what you've just listened to is taken from parts of a full hour plus podcast that is available right now on our website at atwaterhealing.com. So if you want to hear the full discussion and the conclusion to our analysis of uh, Li Sheng and Mulan's relationship. You can jump over there and check it out by becoming a patron member. For as little as $20 a month, you can get access to all of our full podcast episodes as well as tons of other great content for improving your life. So check out our website and consider it, and I hope to see you there.